I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about raising the voice of workplace champions. 60 plus questions in around 30 to 40 minutes with women of color, non-binary and transgender influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. I started the Queens of Tech podcast initiative in May 2022 because I would like to retain more women of color, non-binary, and transgenders in the tech industry. Talent is out there, but our work environment needs to improve for all to feel safer, stay authentic, and to be valued for our contributions. My vision is to raise the workplace ecosystem for all in tech, by killing the imposter syndrome, stopping bad behavior, and increasing equity opportunities. Each podcast talk is built around 60-plus questions regarding upbringing, education, career path, DIB, and future advice. My mission is to bridge a gap between schools and workplaces by getting into the heart of my guest's personal life and career journey to inspire other girls, women of color, non-binary, and transgenders to unleash the full potential to reach top leadership roles in the tech industry. My goal is to raise the voices of tech champions around the world and together with companies, investors, and politicians, raise the challenges and opportunities around equity, inclusive, diversity, and belonging in our workplaces. Enough is enough. I would like to enforce companies to build a sustainable, inclusive culture to retain diverse talent so we keep the workforce power equity to continue building future diverse and inclusive products. Representation matters. Your voice matters. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Tech Queen Artie Samani, CEO of Shrimp Growth Partners. Hi, Artie. Hi, Jasmine. Lovely to be here and lovely to be doing this podcast with you. I am very happy to have you joining us from UK today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm also great. So let us dive into your journey into STEM. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? Curious, quiet, and quirky. How would you describe your life in three sentences? It's a mosaic of unique experiences, a beautiful story of risks taken, roads traveled, and dreams pursued. And number three, a story of chance encounters, moments of awe, and endless laughter. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? I'm very into spiritual chants and Sanskrit mantras. They calm me down, they energize me, they keep me motivated and grounded. What's your personal motto? Inspire change, walk with courage, and embody grace. What is your favorite book? A book called Living with the Himalayan Masters. It opened my perspectives about human potential and the fact that human species are capable of a lot more than meets the eye. What is your favorite podcast? I actually don't have a favorite podcast. I'm very quirky, so I listen to a lot of different types of podcasts. Mac or PC? Mac. 
I love well-designed product that works. Say something interesting about you that most people don't know. What most people don't know is that until recently, I lived in an intergenerational family. So we were four women of different generations living in the same house, all roughly 20 years apart, which creates for an interesting dynamic. What is your hidden talent? I would say keeping the bigger perspective and connecting disparate data points is a talent that is hidden, but very useful. If you were going to write a book about your life, what would the title be? I think it would be something like Quantum Leaps and Quiet Reflection, A Tale of Survival and Serenity. Great start. Now, let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? I grew up in India and in the UK. What was your dream job as a child? I had two dream jobs, an astronaut and an actor. What was your favorite subject in school? Mathematics. What was your least favorite subject? Statistics. What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? The earliest memory is the ZX Spectrum with rubber keys from Sinclair in the 80s. My father introduced us to this. It was my first interaction with technology. Which were the three first technology gadgets you owned? I owned a Walkman, a scientific calculator, which was my going to university present from my parents, and a Blackberry phone, which I got when I started working. Who was your female role model growing up and why? I have two role models, my grandmother and my mother. They had both lived very difficult lives, but with grace and dignity. My grandmother was widowed at a young age of 36 with young children in a very conservative India. And my mother married when she was very young and took on responsibilities of an extended family. Then when we migrated to the UK, she took on multiple jobs to support the family. So to this day, I remain inspired by both of them and the way in which they conducted their lives. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? Somewhat, yes. It's inevitable that these things would. I grew up, like I said, partly in India, partly in United Kingdom, experienced very different lives. And it made me driven to pursue activities and opportunities that allow me to create an inclusive and equitable society. It inspired me to become independent in every aspect of my life so that I'm in a position to actually support other people rather than needing support from other people. Very powerful. Now, I'm going to read two quotes. First one, how does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So I want to know the choice behind your career path. Where and what did you study at university? Great quotes. I studied mathematics at Durham University in the UK. Who and what influenced you to get into your chosen field? Yeah, there's an interesting little backstory. So I had just moved to the UK and the education system in India did not actually teach me to write long form essays. So I could only succeed at university in a subject that did not require essay writing. And so mathematics it was. And I loved the subject anyway, so it was an easy choice. What professional roles have you had before that led you to the current one? 
I joined the workforce as a graduate training program on uh, British Airways in the technology function. And I've worked in tech ever since in different sectors, in different roles, countries, but always in technology. So what does Shrimp Growth Partners do? Shrimp Growth Partners is an artificial intelligence consulting business. We work with executive leaders to help them draw up their internal and external AI roadmap which takes into account their business goals and various other factors. The aim of Stream Growth Partners is to drive AI-led growth for businesses. What is your title and what is your main responsibilities? I'm the CEO of my business, so everything is my responsibility. Why did you start the company? As an executive, you work with one company at a time for a period of three to five years. Whereas I wanted to create impact for multiple businesses, enjoy the diversity of work and solve different problems. And all of this, when you put together, they lend themselves in a great way to starting your own company. So in response to the market problem of wanting to do something with AI, but feeling overwhelmed by the amount of information that is out there. And given my personal objectives, starting my own company was the right thing to do. What does a typical workday look like for you? I don't actually have a typical workday. No day is the same. In my field, I have to read a lot, keep up to date with what's happening in the industry. So I spend a lot of time uh, reading articles, news stories, etc. I'm also a media commentator, so I have to prepare and keep myself ready and updated for that. I speak professionally, so I carve out thinking time, preparation time for my next talk. Obviously, my business is growing very rapidly. So networking, running the business, it's all part of my working week. It's a very varied week. I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. Arti, what do you love about your role? I love the possibilities that technology offers. All the exciting problems that are being solved, the different businesses that I get to work with, the enjoyment that I get out of speaking on stage and being able to connect with my audience. When I see that spark in their eyes and I know that the concept is resonating with them or the inspiration that they take away to look at a problem differently, these are all the things that really drive me and I enjoy about my work. And what is the best experience you've had in your current role so far? Any examples? I have many experiences, but particular one that springs to mind is standing up to launch a product in India with over 100 media outlets present, a Twitter handle trending at number one position, a product that transformed how a billion people interact with their smartphones. For me, it was a full circle. I was born in India. I had learned Sanskrit at school. Then I grew up in the UK, built a career in technology and brought it all together to create this product that used all of the experiences and changed the way that people behave or engage with their smartphone. For me, it was a very emotional moment. Very impressive. And what is the biggest challenge of Bitcarder so far and how did you tackle it? As a senior executive in a tech business, I found it very difficult to address the aggression from male colleagues. In executive roles, you are on your own. You can neither talk about it to your team nor to your peers. And typically, human resources managers are not senior enough to deal with personnel issues within the senior leadership team. 
to deal with the situation, I had to learn to add more facets to my personality and use them as the situation demands. So by default, my nature is one of gentle, calm, and collaborative. It is unnatural for me to be aggressive or confrontational, but some situations require you to draw a boundary and make it clear that your colleagues cannot cross it. I had to understand what my boundaries are, how to stop people from crossing them, and what would be the consequences if that was to happen. And you have to do all this while still maintaining a professional working relationship with those individuals. So it was a challenge, but I learned a lot along the way. So it was also an opportunity for growth. What do you wish everybody understood about your role? Executive leadership is difficult. It cannot be underestimated. And you only really understand that when you are in the role. So striking the right balance between being decisive and being open to ideas, between leading from the front and being guided by your team, between long-term vision and short-term profits to keep the lights on. These are all the decisions that you have to make daily and often in isolation. It's really important to reveal the side of executive leadership that is often hidden behind the bravado. What is the one common myth about your profession or field that you want to disapprove? So professional speaking is something I do, and I want to make sure that listeners understand that professional speaking and strategy are not easy jobs. It's a myth when people say, oh yeah, it's easy to stand up and speak to an audience. It's easy to come up with a strategy. It's all fluff. It's not. Of course, you know where you want to take your business and how. And if you know what you're talking about, how difficult is it to tell your audience? Neither is easy. It takes a lot of understanding of the market, the solution, the business environment, the human psychology. Uh, you have to put it all together in a manner which is actionable and digestible. What do you love about working in the tech industry? That it has the power to create an equitable society. Every piece of technology that is brought to market with good intention of solving a problem, and when it delivers that, it changes everything. It brings access to people who would otherwise not even dream of it. But unfortunately, over time, people do find ways to misuse it, and that is upsetting. Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, Think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is not a stepping stone to greatness. Sardi, what has by far been your biggest achievement in your career? There have been several, but if I was to take one, I would say every team I have led, I have been able to inspire them in some way. I have ignited a spark that has encouraged them to do something a little differently in their lives. Every business that I have worked with, I have left a mark in their product and culture. And leaving a small legacy behind me is an achievement for me. It's always something I strive to do. What the biggest factors helped you become successful in success habits? Resilience, persistence, and optimism. I live by these. There is a lot that will break you, and there'll be many reasons to give up. But if you continue to march on, Despite these factors, then you will succeed. A success habit I swear by is gratitude. Gratitude for everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. How do you measure your own performance at work? Interesting. So I would say, did I move the needle in some way every day? Performance is not just about quantitative metrics. It's also about the energy that you put into your work every day consistently. 
and the dots do join up. Maybe not this quarter, maybe not next quarter, but at some point they will join up and will deliver results. With success comes failure. What is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it? For me, it's less about failure, more about learning. And in this particular one, I stayed in an organization for a long time without any opportunity to progress. Now, that is an opportunity cost in terms of development. So I encourage people to keep progressing. If your organization does not present an opportunity to progress and develop, then look for these opportunities elsewhere. Otherwise, you start to become irrelevant. What is inspiring and motivating you the most in your role and career right now? The fact that I can inspire and motivate other people through my talk, through my media comments, through my consulting, through my board position, everything I do intentionally and I do it in a way that creates an impact for other people around me. Let us now jump into the influence of mentors, role models, champions, and sponsors. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, champions can stand up and advocate for us and open up the world of possibilities. Sponsors match emerging talent with leaders and influential employees who can help us move ahead in our careers. Do you have a mentor, champion, or a sponsor today? I run my own business, so I don't really have a champion or a sponsor in the traditional sense. But the community I have built on LinkedIn and my connections naturally champion for me. However, I have to say in the past, in my executive role, I have had very good allies, great sponsors who talk positively about me when I'm not in the room. So the beauty of champions and sponsors is that they say the right things about you when you are not in the room. And I have been very fortunate to have those in my career. Who is the female role model you look up to in your field? There isn't one specific. Um, There are very few female leaders in technology. But for me, any woman who has managed to build a career while juggling a family and social responsibility deserves an applause. If you're from certain cultures, it can be even more difficult. In my case, I'm from an Asian background, and that comes with a set of expectations that you have to fulfill. And I see a lot of women succeeding and doing great things in their chosen field of work alongside meeting the social expectations and raising a family. And for me, like those are the people I really look up to with a lot of respect. History shows that it has been more common for men having mentors, champions, and sponsors in business than women. How important do you think it is to have a mentor, champion, and sponsor during one's career? Extremely important. So champions and sponsors, they can make or break your career. I learned that a little too late in my professional career. But when I learned about it and when I met the right people, it was transformative. What is also important, though, is representation. So if you see someone who looks like you or comes from a similar background to you, it gives you a boost to continue pursuing your ambition. So if you are a young professional listening to this, I would say go and intentionally source out champions and sponsors. And if you are more advanced in your career and in a position to champion or sponsor someone, then please don't hold back. Let's move on to leadership. Adina Friedman, President and CEO of Nasdaq, said, I quote, Empowering those around you to be heard and valued makes a difference between a leader who simply instructs and one who inspires. 
Charlie Sandberg, ex-COO at Facebook, said, I quote, Leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that the impact lacks absence. Artie, what does leadership mean to you? A great quote from Cheryl there. Uh, for me, it's inspiring people to do their best work with passion and serving joy from it. What do you consider a good versus a bad leader? I feel it's not that binary. The same individual can sometimes be a great leader and sometimes not. Remember, leaders are human beings and you have to be responsive to the situation. So that sometimes means pleasing some people and displeasing others. But yes, there are certain traits that all great leaders exhibit. Listening to the spoken as well as to the unspoken. And then acting on that information to address the business issue. That's very important. The second one I would say is creating a safe space for your team to express themselves and ask questions. And third, ensuring information from executive teams flow back to the teams below you. So they always remain invested in the business and don't feel disconnected. This is a problem that I often see in organizations when staff feel disconnected because conversations that are held behind closed doors do not flow through to the team. Who is your favorite female, non-binary or transgender tech leader and why? There aren't any that come to mind immediately. How would you describe yourself as a leader? I am a collaborative, hands-off leader. So I give my team the time and the space to do their best work. They know that I will be demanding and that we will have robust discussion, but they will also receive a lot of support from me. And as a leader, what values are most important to you? Trust, integrity, and transparency. And what leadership lessons have you learned that have formed you into the leader you are today? One lesson I have learned, and I will always remember, is that people will always remember how you made them feel. As a leader, you simply cannot have a bad day. You're always visible. You're always on stage. Your team may empathize with your situation, but they will hold you to account and you have to be prepared for it. People will forget that you went out of your way to get that bonus, that promotion, etc. for them. But the one time you're having an off day and were a little dismissive, they will remember it for a long time. So please be mindful about how you make other people feel by your presence and your actions. What are your three strengths and three weaknesses? So my strengths are looking at the larger strategic picture. I'm empathetic and put my team before myself. And my weaknesses, I would say, I'm not a nitty-gritty person. I'm not delve down into the detail and then nitpick. That's not me. I can be a little impatient at times, and I certainly have very high standards. Let us now jump into our hottest topic in business today, workplace culture. Unlocking the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Artie, what does diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging mean to you personally? For me, it's an environment where everyone feels at home, no matter who they are. An environment where the same opportunities to grow and prosper are available to everyone, no matter who they are. What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join the company? I would say open communication, 
employee recognition, so visible appreciation of efforts and achievement. Growth opportunities, very important. Clear path for personal as well as professional development. And then obviously work-life balance. So a culture where there is respect for people's personal time and wellness and team collaboration. So a place that where a spirit of partnership and mutual support is fostered. As a woman, what has been the most significant political or cultural barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? There will be many in this list, but for me personally, the biggest barrier has been that I'm being perceived as too soft and not experienced enough. Just because I have a very gentle, soft demeanor about me, people often feel that I don't have enough experience, I don't talk enough, or I don't talk up enough about myself. Uh, my male colleagues always talk very highly of themselves, uh, which I personally find unauthentic. But it is the perception, unfortunately, that's how our society works. And so you have to overcome them. I personally overcame that by building a strong personal brand on social media. And when you build a very strong brand, then it starts to change people's perception about you also. Why do you think it's important for more women, women of color, non-binary and transgenders to join the tech industry today? Jasmine, I would say not just the tech industry. It's important that there is diversity in every industry and we should make the same opportunities available to every demographic. And representation is important. The more we see people like ourselves in different roles, the more normal it feels. So whilst it is important that the hiring managers, the businesses create an environment of diversity, it also, to some extent, falls upon the people themselves. It is up to us to take responsibilities, no matter what groups we identify ourselves with, to go and pursue the careers of our choice, whether it's tech or something else. But don't allow your identity to hold you back. Do you and how do you speak with your colleagues, peers and community about the EIB challenges, for example, salary gaps and promotions? I'm a big proponent and advocate for transparency and data. If you have the right information, then you have the opportunity to bring about a social change. So I, as an executive leader, I always make sure that I have data when it comes to salaries, benchmarks, etc. And within my organization, I use that data in order to set the salaries of my staff. I also belong to CHEAP, which is an executive women's network group. It is a very supportive community who lift each other up by sharing insights and opening doors. So women, especially executive women, because they have had to jump a lot of hurdles to get to where they are, there is a huge appetite to share data, to share information, and therefore to make sure that others around us are not being undervalued. There are many public and internal discussions about the barriers women, women of color, non-binary and transgenders face from reaching higher position in the tech industry. How do you feel it has affected and is affecting you? And what is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks? Unfortunately, it is a fact that our society is not equitable yet. We are getting there, but we are not there yet. There are higher barriers for women, and especially for women in minority demographics. For some time, I gave in and I did not pursue opportunities, but that led to frustration and an internal conflict. 
So I had to come out of my shell and put myself out there. I had to challenge the decisions. I had to fight my corner. It did affect me, but my advice to other people is that keep going. Don't give up. There is no silver bullet to unblock roadblocks. You have to believe in yourself. You have to cultivate self-confidence and you have to just go for it. It helps to develop a thick skin so you are not affected by other people's attitudes. Be a little deaf to criticism, otherwise you never get anywhere in life. But be true to yourself. Take a break from persistence when you feel tired. You will feel exhausted, but then get up and go again with a new energy, ready to do whatever is required to get you where you want to be. Today, tech companies spend a lot of marketing money to attract women, women of color, non-binary and transgenders. However, at the same time, they're finding it hard to retain them. Articles show that women are leaving the tech industry already. What is your best advice or strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity and equity? Yeah, great question, Jasmine. So first, recognize the challenges this demographic faces in their day-to-day life. Like it really falls down to the companies and the leaders in the companies to understand that not everybody has the same challenge. Different demographics, different identity groups have different challenges. Then create an environment that eases these challenges, remove as much friction as possible. So little things, simple things like a private room for new mothers who come back from maternity leave. Often there is no way and nowhere for them to express milk. They have to stand at the sinks in the bathrooms to do it. I have witnessed this myself. It's not difficult to make a comfortable private room available for them, but these are overlooked by human resources even, definitely overlooked by some of the senior leaders in the business. Just attracting minority groups to come and work at your organization is not enough. You have to provide the right support structure that enables them to thrive. Otherwise, they just get fed up and leave. And then we come back to the same old argument. Well, we are not attracting enough people of different identity groups. Yes, they they came, they attempted to work for you, but they didn't have the right environment to thrive in. So let's break that cycle of blaming and resources not being made available. What would you say are the few challenges of implementing a DEIB culture in a workplace today? One of the challenges is quantifying the outcomes. How do you measure the progress of the efforts and the outcome it delivers over a period of time? It's not very binary. It does take some effort to identify the KPIs, the metrics, etc. So quantifying the outcome is quite challenging. The second one is resistance to change. Long-time employees can be resistant to changing their language and behaviors. Simple things like, hey, chaps, how is it going? Chat is not an inclusive term, but it is regularly used in business environments. And not with a negative intention. It's just a habit. Then there is also the unconscious bias, right? We all have them. It's very difficult to change the culture so that we are questioning every decision to ensure there is no unconscious bias. But we have to make an effort. We have to learn about it. We have to understand what is unconscious bias and where in your operational mode, where in your leadership it might creep in. And then sustaining momentum. 
So it's easy to get started, but then to continue the efforts and continue the investment can be really tough. Why and how do you think companies will benefit from having not just women, women of color, non-binary and transgender leaders, but actually higher gender representation at C-suite level and boardrooms with actual mandate? Diverse leadership team delivers better business outcomes. Like that's a well-known fact, right? There is no two ways about it. Homogeneous teams, in my experience, become echo chambers. They are all echoing each other's perspectives, which are largely the same just because they've had similar experiences in their careers and their lives, and therefore the perspectives become narrow. So any leadership team, any board, any type of team generally, hands down, benefits from diversity. How much do you think the tech industry has changed regarding the IB since you joined? There has been a lot of change. It was not unusual for me to be the only woman, the only person of color in my team and in business meetings. And this happens still, but it happens less regularly now. HR teams typically include a diversity and inclusion manager. So their mandate is to ensure that the company culture is diverse and inclusive. There is also a lot of progress at the junior and mid-levels, but we still have some way to go when it comes to executive tables and boardrooms. As we know, initiatives are in motion, but it will take some time to bridge the gap. And looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? When I was younger, in my 20s, personally, I should have been more fearless and not shied away from challenging the status quo. So all those times when my male colleagues made a sexist joke and my female colleagues supported them, I should have called them out. Instead, I did not feel safe or confident enough. Uh, this has changed as I've grown up and become more experienced, obviously. I would have been more fearless and less afraid of calling out when there was wrong behavior. And looking forward, what will you do as a leader to improve the bias for the next generation of women, women of color, non-binary and transgenders in tech? I am very mindful of my actions and my unconscious bias not seeping in. So as an example, when I review CVs, I review them very differently when they are from men and from women. So in my experience, for example, 80% of the time, a woman's CV is more understated than a male applicant's CV. And I make allowances for that in the vetting process. Often men will proactively ask for pay rises, women will not. And I don't wait for women to ask. I ensure that their compensation is in line with market. These are small things, but they do go a long way to bringing about a change. Let us move on to another hot topic in business today, which is work-life balance and mental health. Arti, you have without a doubt a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain good mental health? I have a regular meditation practice. I meditate, I focus on my breath, and I am very intentional about my thought. Have you ever experienced burnout? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, I have. I meditate, I take vacation. I take time out for myself, with my family, etc. But still, as an executive, I still experienced uh, burnout. At some point, I decided then that I needed to take time out and focus on re-energizing myself. 
So I went to India for a month to an Ayurveda resort. Ayurveda is an Indian medicine that treats an individual holistically. So not just health, but health, emotions, mindset, everything. And it's, the treatment is made up of herbal medicines, uh, detoxification, massages, exercising, etc. For me, it, it proved to be very effective. And I now diligently follow some of those practices incorporated as part of my daily routine. And that helps a lot. And what is your advice of a company that can create a more mentally healthy workplace in the new now? Firstly, normalize talking about mental health. Too often people don't feel comfortable talking about it, even when they recognize the signs. And this is changing a lot. We have come a long way, but still, I think psychologically, people don't feel safe talking about mental health. So let's normalize talking about it. We need to train the managers so they feel safe discussing it with their team if and when the topic opens up. A lot of the time, middle managers, even senior managers, don't feel equipped to be able to talk about it or to be able to address the situation when their team members bring it up for them. We also have to ensure that the leadership team are aware of the impact of their decision on the staff workload. Oftentimes, we make decisions in a closed room environment without enough regard on how those decisions impact our staff. So it's really important to discuss these things in senior leadership team meetings, in board meetings, etc. And be careful that you are not continually rewarding results delivered under tight deadlines. These days, there is so much emphasis on celebrating success. And unfortunately, success sometimes means celebrating delivery under tight deadline. It's okay to do it, but don't make that a habit because then that becomes part of the culture before you know it. What motivates you every day to get out of bed? Let's face it, we are living in a very exciting time. It's a time of change. Every morning I wake up to new possibilities, new opportunities to make an impact, to create better world around us by promises of the technologies that is being developed around us, by promises of a more conscious world that is developing around us, by the promises of more mindfulness and more equitable uh, environment being created by uh, the business leaders all around us. So I remain optimistic. I remain excited about the changes that are taking place every day. Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and a piece of advice for our listeners. Arti, what is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career? Change is the only constant. So today's setback is the springboard of tomorrow's success. I say this to everyone I mentor. I abide by that. Whatever people say, don't take it personally. Very important if you really want to succeed. Move on because you deserve to succeed. It doesn't matter what anybody said to you. Don't take it to heart. Just drop it. Move on. And then what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle it? I've been told a couple of times in my career, oh, you don't have experience in XYZ, therefore you will not succeed in that role. I went through it anyway. What's the worst that could have happened? I wouldn't have got the role. But if I didn't try, there was a 100% chance of me not getting that role. 
it was difficult. It dented my confidence. It created self-doubt, etc. But in the end, I made a success of it. Yeah, go for it. And don't listen to anyone who says you don't have experience to do something. Is there something you wish you would have known or skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry? Not just in tech industry, but in any industry, you should know how to sell. You should know how to read legal contracts and you should know how to talk finance. These are very practical three things that I wish I had learned at the start of my career. I wish I had learned this as soon as I graduated. I didn't and I had to learn it much later in life. If you had the ability to go back in time to when you were just at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Learn to sell, learn to read legal contracts, and learn to talk finance. Don't wait for opportunities. Create them. Don't rely on your job for an income. Create an independent, multiple income streams for yourself because life is uncertain. It is unpredictable, and you never know what's going to happen. When I was young, I was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. I was only 20 years old. I did not know what the future held for me. And oftentimes I was rejected in jobs because the hiring managers were worried that I might need to take long time off due to sick leave, etc. But you have to not depend on that one job or one income. Create opportunities for yourself, which are economically sustainable for you and gives you the kind of life that you want to live. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. What advice would you give to young girls, women, women of color, non-binary and transgender who want and trying to break into STEM field today, especially wanted to become next generation leaders? There is absolutely no reason for you to hold back. If you're interested in it, just go for it. We live in such a connected world now. There are opportunities everywhere. May not be visible to you immediately, but they exist. Do everything and seek out those opportunities. Keep your perspective open. Don't limit yourself to one geographical location. The whole world is yours. Today, there is really no reason to be restricted to one job, one company, one sector, one place, anything like that. A career is not for life. You will almost certainly change tracks partway through your career, or it will naturally evolve into something different to what you started out or what you're doing today. And don't be afraid of that change. Um, don't think too hard. Don't think too far ahead. The world that we know today will not exist in 10 years time. It'll be very, very different. The jobs that we know today will not exist in 10 years time, right? So do what you like, go for what you want today and evolve with time as the tech evolves, as the world evolves, as the needs evolve. Also evolve in where you play a part, which industry, which sector, which role. Nothing is set in stone. Last but not least, what is next for you in your role in career in tech? What are your career aspirations? I'm not stopping. I'm only starting, I feel. So I'm growing my business, obviously, Shreem Growth Partners. It's doing well, and I have a lot of plans for it in the coming years. I'm also growing in terms of my speaking business. So I'm receiving a lot of demand to come and speak at various company events and conferences about artificial intelligence. So that part of uh, my offering is growing. 
I'm preparing myself to take up a non-executive director position for FTSE businesses. And that I'm really looking forward to. It will be an opportunity for me to assimilate all my experiences and give something back. So I'm very excited by what the future holds for me. Very exciting. And I'm very excited to follow your journey. Thank you so much for being your guest on the Queens of Tech podcast, sharing a journey without a doubt, inspire change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women, women of color, non-binary and transgender leaders in tech. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry a minimum of three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit queensof.tech.